0: want to say welcome to those of you, as Emily already did, uh, who are here with us in the house. I also want to say uh, welcome and good morning to those of you who may be uh, online joining us. I know the, the crud is go- going around, and so for those of you who are sick at home, as you sip your chicken noodle soup, uh, sit back and relax, uh, we're going to be putting our uh, finishing touches on our mission emph- emphasis month. And uh, so what we've been doing for the last month or so is really talking about the keys to finishing the mission, uh, specifically the mission of God that we see revealed uh, throughout the pages of Scripture, beginning in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, running all the way through to the end, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and specifically this idea that God has a heartbeat for the nations, that he has a desire that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation would come to know him. This idea that God is in the business of reconciling people all over the world, and taking them out of the kingdom of darkness and placing them into the kingdom of light of his son, Jesus Christ. This idea that people matter to God. And for us, we've talked about, man, this this whole idea that it's got to be unacceptable for us that there are literally walking planet Earth today, 3.2 billion people who have little to no access to the greatest news in the world that there's a God in heaven who loves them so much that he came into this world of suffering, And he lived a perfect, sinless life on their behalf, the one that we all should have lived, but we couldn't because we're fallen and we're sinners. And he died their death, the sinner's death, so that they wouldn't have to. And then he rose again on the third day to offer them forgiveness, freedom, hope, and life to anyone who would call on the name of Jesus. And that's God's heartbeat, and that's his mission. And if we're his people, if we say we're his disciples, we have to adopt that mission as our mission in life as well. So, we've been talking about that over the course of the last four or five weeks. And if you have a copy of God's word, either in print or on your device, please open it, turn it on, make a beeline for Matthew chapter 25. That's where we're going to plant our flag, spend our time this morning. Our text this morning is a pretty well known parable of Jesus, known as the parable of the talents. If you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with it. If not, you'll get introduced to it this morning. That parable starts in verse 14 of chapter 25, but let me just give you a little bit of context, if I could, on the front end so that it makes sense. So the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 24, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him a question, hey, Jesus, when are you going to come back? Right, so you're talking about, hey, you're going you're to die, you're going to rise, you're going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. But So, so when are you going to come back? That's their question. How, how are we going to know the the end of the age like when you're about to come back and you're going to establish your kingdom of heaven on earth like how are we going to know and so Jesus gives them a few signs of the times like hey this is these are things that you can be looking for and then he shifts in chapter 25 and he gives them three parables to help them understand right so he gives them the parable of the virgin gives them the parable that we're going to look at today the parable of the talents and also the parable of the sheep and the goat we're going to dial in on the second of those three parables and he gives them and he gives us these parables to help us understand how we ought to live as we wait on his return, how we ought to live as we wait on his second coming. Now, I think this is really super important in our context, in our culture, because here's what I sense. In the American church today, I sense that there are a lot of Christians in our day that see salvation as sort of a uh, golden bus ticket to heaven. And so the idea is, hey, you know, I, I, I hear the gospel, I respond to it, like I, I believe in Jesus, now I have a relationship with, it, with him, I'm made right with my creator, boom, I'm in, I'm a part of the family, now I'm just going to kind of isolate from the world and wait on the second coming of Jesus. Now, I, I call these Christians isolationist Christians, and I would argue that isolationist Christians are the most worthless Christians to ever walk the face of the planet, I don't want you to be an isolationist Christian. I don't think Jesus wants you to be an isolationist Christian. Because the reality is the thing that isolationist Christians are best at, even though it's not their intent, is wasting their lives. And so in this parable, what Jesus is going to do is teach us how not to be isolationist Christians and how not to waste our lives, but rather leverage our lives for the sake of the king as we wait on his return. And so let me pause and pray for us as we get ready to step into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and I think for most of us, uh, we would have to confess that this week has been a difficult week in some way, form, or fashion. There's been some trial that we've walked through. There's been something that's caused uh, anxiety in our hearts, God, and you know, that's easy to understand. We look, we look around the world, and we see uh, wars raging in Europe, and we see all kinds of uh, election and vote counting mess going on in our country and for a lot of us there's even personal uh, issues and struggles and tensions maybe in marriages or with moms and dads and kids and there are all these things kind of tugging at our hearts attention and God we we just we want to say God that we want to we want you to be present right now we want to turn these things over to you Holy Spirit we do ask that you would be present now that you would take these ancient words that you've breathed that are Uh, thousands of years old and yet your word tells us they're alive and they're active and they have the power to change our hearts and our minds and our lives and god we ask that you would meet us in this place that you would speak through these words through our hearts in a way that would actually make a difference in our lives god we ask all this in the precious name of your son jesus amen all right matthew chapter 25 the this parable the parable of talent starts in verse 14 this is jesus telling this parable to his disciples answering for them when how this is how you're going to know when i'm about to come back so he says for it it's the kingdom of jesus his second return he says will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted to them his property so right out of the gate it's obvious jesus is using this parable to describe himself as the master which makes us who in this parable The servants, right? So that's really important for us to establish that you're not the master in this parable. I'm not the Jesus is the master in this parable. We are the the servants. It's important to kind of know the the moving pieces here. Also notice whose possessions are we dealing with in this parable? Do they belong to us or do they belong to him? It's not a trick question. They belong to him, right? It it says right there in the text: his his possessions, right? So they, they belong to him, he's the master, we're the servants. Now, let me just ask you by a uh, show of hand. Uh, if you are a parent in the room, I just want you to raise your hand. So if you're a mom, you're a dad, you have a kid, raise your hand. It's a lot of you. All right, uh, if you're in the room and you have parents, raise your, hand. raise your hand. Okay, so I think this illustration will probably hit home for, for most of you, except for the three that didn't raise their hands. You were immaculately conceived or liars. I'll go with, I'll go with number two, probably liars. My wife and I, we, we have uh, three kids, in case you, you didn't know. And uh, two daughters and, and a son, and, and we love our kids deeply. But, but how, how many of you know that kids oftentimes need reminders, right? Parents in the room are like, amen. Yes, they do. And so occasionally over the years, uh, more when they were younger, but even occasionally now, there will be uh, arguments in my, I know it's hard to believe knowing my kids, but arguments in my home over stuff, right? And, and, and usually that argument will sound something like this. Dad, tell, tell her not to touch my Legos, mom, tell him not to eat. That's my piece of pie in the fridge. He's trying to eat it. He already had a piece of pie. Mom, tell, tell him not to sit on my side of the couch. And so there's just these times sometimes where I, like, I hear these arguments and it kind of builds up and then I snap and I go, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, occasionally I do. But usually, usually I kind of intervene in those conversations and I'll say something like, listen guys, you know that I love you, but I need you to understand that everything you have in your life is a gift from me. I need you to understand, I need you to understand right now that you own nothing in this house. The clothes on your back, I bought with my money. The food that you eat every day, mine. The bed that you're gonna go to sleep in tonight, I bought it, it's mine the air that you're breathing right now in my house under my roof it's all mine and if you get possessive with it guess what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take it away and sometimes it's good for kids to get a reminder and get a reality check a perspective adjustment and guess what's good for adults sometimes as well a reality check, right? Reminders. And so here's truth number 1 right out of the gate. I hope this warms your heart on a cold winter's day. Number 1, you own nothing. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You own nothing. If you believe this word, if you believe God's word, the Bible, you own literally nothing. Everything you have belongs to God. He's the master. Church family, listen to me. We are not the masters. We are We are the managers. We are simply stewards of the king's possessions. Now, I think this can be especially hard for us in our culture today as Americans in 2022 because I feel like our culture says to us on repeat, no, it's yours. Like everything you had, bro, you earned it. You pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. You went and got that job. You worked hard. You used your smarts. You deserve it. You own it. You enjoy it. You cling to it. And I just need you, I need you to understand from God's word this morning, I need you to understand this concept. You own nothing. Now, if you don't believe me, let me just share uh, some stats that I looked up online this week. Do you know what the current mortality rate is in Western North Carolina? Not your question. It's 100%. Everybody dies. Do you know that? Some of y'all are like, it's 100%? Yes, Everybody dies. You're not a part of like the special half a percent that's gonna miss out. We all die. The current mortality rate is 100%. And you know what's gonna happen when you die and you are gonna die? You're gonna take nothing with you. It all stays behind. Now here, here's a thought. This was kind of helpful for me, shaping my perspective. Here's a, For some of you, it might be disturbing. For others of you, hopefully it's helpful. 100 years from now, everything that you own, that car that you're paying way too much on a month, that dream house that you saved for 20 years and built, that 401k that you planned and saved for, everything that you own 100 years from now will either belong to someone else or be rotting in a landfill. That's true for everybody in this room and watching online. Every single thing that you own 100 years from now will belong to someone else or be rotting in a landfill. And yet, and yet, for so many of us, even as followers of Jesus, we live our lives Like we are owners instead of managers that have been entrusted with the precious possessions of the king of the universe. So I want to take us back to our story. I want to take us back to our parable. And so the scene is this: the master says to his servants, Hey boys, y'all come in, y'all, y'all gather around. I got a little something I need to tell you. I'm about to go on a trip. I'm about to go on this trip and I'm gonna be, be gone for a little while and here's what I need you to do. I have some really important possessions that I'm gonna to entrust to you while I'm away so that you can invest my possessions and maximize these things for me. So that's kind of where we are on the story. Let's pick it up in verse 15. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. To another, one. To each according to his ability. Underline that last part. To each according to his ability. We're gonna come back to that in a minute then he went away verse 16 he who had received the five talents went at once now that's interesting isn't it the response is immediate obedience by the first servant you've probably heard it said delayed obedience we tell our kids this delayed obedience is actually disobedience so he received the five talents went at once traded with them he made five talents more so also the one had two talents made two talents more so they're both doubling what they've been given by their master. This is impressive. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, and I want you to kind of sense there's a a feeling of excitement here, right? When the first servant sees his master returning, he's like, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and look, here, I have made five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the two talents, came forward. Again, a sense of excitement when his master comes back saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and look, here, I have made two more talents. I have also doubled what you gave me. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so the picture is this. The master goes to each one of his servants and he goes, here's here's five talents for you. Here's two talents for you. Here's one talent for you. And the question then is, how will these managers handle what does not belong to them but has been entrusted to them while their master is away? Now I think it would be helpful for all of us to understand that in this context that word talent actually refers to a weight of worth. In fact, Bible scholars tell us that that was about, uh, in terms of monetary value, about 20 years worth of wages. So if we were to extrapolate that into modern times, that's about a a million dollars per talent, right? So don't don't feel sorry for the dude that just got the one talent, right? He's got a cool meal to invest as well. And I think one thing that would help us also understand this idea of, of, of a concept of a talent is we can understand a talent in, I think, three different spheres, time treasure and talent right so those are three things that god has given all of us our time our treasure and our talent so god has entrusted each of us with a number of years some of us get 20 years on planet earth some of us get 50 years some of us get 80 some of us get really lucky we get 100 years on planet earth well this is a talent and the talent of time that god has given us now we don't know when that time is up so we ought to be living like it could be up at any time but we get time we get years on earth Each of us has a certain number of resources, right? These are your possessions. This is your income. This is your salary. This is your savings. This is your inheritance, whatever it is, right? Physical possessions. Each of us, some of us have more, some of us have less, but we all have something, right? We have something that God has given. This is our treasure. So we've been given time. We've been given treasure. And then all of us have different abilities and passions. If you're a Christian, you also have a spiritual gift or multiple spiritual gifts that the Spirit gave you when you believed in Jesus Christ. And so we have all of these things that God has given us, the master has given us as his servant entrusted us to manage until he comes back, each according to their ability, verse 15 says. Now that is an interesting phrase, isn't it? Because I think in our culture today, our instinct would be to say to God, that's not fair. Right, like that's not fair. Why did I get the two and he got the five? How come I got the one and he got the eight? But he says, each one receives the talent according to their ability. Now, here's the re- this is what I believe the reality is here. The, the dude that got the five talents, and I need you to pay attention because I think this is really important. The dude that got the five talents got five because he couldn't handle six. The dude that got the two talents got two because God knows in his sovereignty that three might have crushed him. And I hear people, well, I meaning Christians all the time sort of lament, man, why doesn't God give me more of fill in the blank? And why doesn't God give me more money? Why doesn't God give me that romantic relationship that I'm looking for? Why doesn't God give me kids? Why doesn't God give me fill in the blank, whatever it is? If I could just make, make $100,000 a year, then I would be happy, and then I would fully serve God. And I wonder, sometimes God is just in heaven thinking, why would I give you 100 if you haven't even been faithful with 30, You're asking for 100. You haven't even proven that you're faithful with 30. Why would I give you more? What about single ladies, like high school age, college age, young young singles? How many times have you maybe had this thought run through your mind? You see another young single lady, and she finds a boyfriend, or maybe she even gets married, and you're thinking, God, her over me with those buck teeth and the cankles? Like, Like She's married, and she's got eight kids, and I can't get a date? Like, what the heck is going on with this, right? Or this dude gets a promotion at work. Man, this guy can't even tie his shoes right. He drools at lunch. And he's going to be my boss? Like, how, how is this fair, Lord? And we have these thoughts, man, and I'm not immune to this either. I've had times in the past, one of the things that I do oftentimes... Um, because I'm a pastor, I, I listen to, to sermons from other pastors all the time. I probably listen to a dozen sermons a week, some of them relative to what I'm preaching, some of them relative to what I'm going to be preaching next year, some of them completely unrelated, but I just, I want to hone my craft, I want to learn from different people, I want to get better at what God has called me to do, and if I'm just being honest, I'm, listen, I'm not proud of this, I'm ashamed of this, I've had times in my life where I've been listening to another pastor, usually a pastor of a very large church, and where I begin to have these thoughts like, man, that dude is boring, Like, his illustrations are terrible. Exegesis is whack, right? Like, like I'm way better than this guy. He's got 23,000 people coming to his church. And the Holy Spirit normally, in his kindness, gently kicks my teeth in and says, kid, you've got what you can handle. I've given you that which will not crush you. And crush your family. And listen, I'm convinced of this truth. I'm so convinced of it. I'm gonna put this on the screens and I'm gonna encourage you to write this down. Here it is. Sometimes God's greatest gift to us is not giving us what we want because he knows it would crush us. Sometimes God's greatest gift to us is not giving us what we ask for because He is a good God and He is a sovereign God and he knows what we want would absolutely crush us. That leads right into truth number two this morning. God has given you, believer, everything you need to accomplish everything he's called you to. Listen, Christian, you lack nothing in order to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish at this point in your life. Now, here's the problem for many of us. We can spend our whole lives looking at the guy that got the five talents saying to God, God, when I get those five talents, then I'll do what he's doing. God, when you give me what she has, I'll serve you like she's serving you. And I feel like all the while God is saying to us, listen, I've given you the two talents, I've given you the one talent, whatever it is, listen, with which you can change the world around you. But you're so busy looking at somebody else's talents that you've missed out on the amazing things that I wanna do in and through your life with what I've given you. Listen guys, comparison is the thief of joy. And here's the truth: there's only one of you, right With all of your flaws, with all of your imperfections, with all of your giftings, with all of your strengths, with all of your talents, like God has only ever made one of you. There's nobody in the past that's been exactly like you. In the future, there's never going to be anybody that's exactly who you are. And I believe with all my heart, God has uniquely. Designed and crafted you to impact time and eternity in a way that nobody else can. I can't, another pastor can't, missionaries can't. There's a mission field specifically designed for you in this life, and you are the only one that can fulfill that mission. Whether you've got 10 talents, whether you've got five talents, two talents, one talent, half a talent, whatever it is, Whatever you got, maximize it for the glory of our king. And that leads us right into truth number three. And this is important. Listen to this. Kingdom success is measured by faithfulness, not fruitfulness. Say that again. Kingdom success is measured by faithfulness, not fruitfulness. And I want you to notice the servant who only produced two talents got the same reward as the servant who produced five talents. You notice that? The one who produced five talents produced over twice as much as the guy who only produced two talents, and yet they get the same commendation and they get the same reward from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? I would argue it's because it's about effort, not results in God's economy. Listen, guys, I'm not, and praise God for this, I am not going to stand before the God of this universe one day and give an account for Billy Graham's talents, and praise God, right? If I, had, if I had that burden on me, that would be crushing. I would constantly feel disappointed. I would feel like a, a failure. That would be cr- I'm not going to stand before the God of this universe and give an account for your talents. I'm going to stand before the God of this universe one day, and I'm going to give an account for the talents that he has given me. That's important for us to understand. It's all about whether we are faithful. It's not about the results. We leave those to God. Listen, guys, God rewards faithfulness, not results. And so if you're a one-talent person, if you're a two-talent person, if you're an eight-talent person, man, be the best whatever you are. to Be the best of your ability. If you're a two-talent person, man, be the best two-talent person to ever walk the face of the planet. Be the best version of what God has given you. Steward those things well. Now there's one more servant you may have noticed that we have not heard from yet. That's the one who got one talent, right? So we heard from the five, heard from the two, right? The master's proud of them. They've been working hard. They've been using, leveraging what God has given them. There's another one, the one that got one talent, the one that buried his talent. Verse 24, let's pick up in the story. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Now, that's a fascinating accusation because that is not at all what seems to be the case or the impression of the first two servants, right? So he's, he's casting blame on the character of the master because of his own failure. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. No, no evidence of that at all. Reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Now, circle that word, Afraid. I think there's a theme here where fear plays into some of this for many of us. It says, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Do you hear kind of the, the indignation in his voice, right? Master, I knew you were a hard man. I just buried your junk. Here, have it. The idea is like, man, like, get off my back. I'm done, I'm, I'm, done, I'm done with you. Verse 26. But his master answered and said, You wicked and slothful servant. If you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at least, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hmm. So this last servant And maybe because of jealousy Because he didn't get the five He didn't get the two He's kind of disappointed He just got the one I don't know his reasonings But he He goes and he buries The one talent that he has And then when the master comes back He blames the master Now before we're too harsh On this servant Can't we all Be professional blame shifters At times in our lives Can't we all be really good at this I mean, I would argue we've been doing this since the beginning of time. you go all the way back to Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, our first father and mother. You guys are familiar with the story, right? They fall, they choose their way over God's way. They listen to the serpent, they eat the fruit. God comes back to the garden, right? He's looking for Adam. He goes, Adam, where are you? Adam's like hiding behind a tree. <laughs> I'm naked, God. Well, how do you know you're naked? Who told you you we were naked? And what is what is Adam's first response. Does he, does he own it, say, God, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't protect my wife, I didn't fight off the, the serpent, I, I didn't listen to your command, I, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. What does he do? The first thing he does is he begins to shift blame, right? He says, God, the woman that you gave me, he blames them both at the same time. God, it ain't my fault, the woman, why'd you give me such a jacked up woman? Why'd you give me her? And by the way, you're the one that made her. So we're, we're professional blame shit. This is, this is kind of like, this is what we do. Have we, just be honest. Have you ever like stubbed your toe on a piece of furniture in your house and gotten mad at the piece of furniture? You ever done that? Like I've done that before. Like I'll, I'll, I'll hit my toe on the couch and I'm like, you son of a, if you ever do that again, we'll take you to Goodwill so fast. Like the cat. The couch has never moved. (laughs) It's been there the whole time. See, but we gotta blame something or someone for our failures. And so this servant is doing the same exact thing. Two critical errors. Make sure that you're not this first servant. First, he buries his talent. Secondly, he blames the master for his error. Now, if I could be totally honest, here's, here's one of my greatest concerns right now as a pastor of a church in america i believe one of the issues that is plaguing the american church not just new life but as a whole church culture in this country is that a huge percentage of christ followers are living in the ethos of this last servant like a huge swath of people that call themselves christians Like not just a few, not just a smattering, like millions of Christians that are sitting in churches just like this, maybe sitting in this exact church are this last servant today. It's some of you. For some of you, you you got talents from the Lord and you dug a hole in your backyard and you've buried your talent. Now why is that? For some of you, maybe it's like the servant in the story, it's because of fear. By the way, that was my story for a long time. Uh, you, some of y'all may have heard this part of my story, some of you maybe, maybe haven't, but when I gave my life to Jesus when I was a 20-year-old sophomore, um, I made the mistake of of telling God that I wouldn't do one thing. So when God saved me, I said, God, I'll, I'll be a missionary in Africa. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I just never want to preach and I never want to be a lead pastor. So I told him, because I grew up as a PK, a pastor's kid. I saw the shrapnel wounds my dad took. I, I felt the shrapnel wounds of, 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 of a pastor's family. I said, God, I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for my family, so I'll do anything you want me to do except that. Years later, my boss, my lead pastor, called me into his office, and he said, Chris, I want you to preach, and I said, brother, you know I don't preach. I told you when you hired me, I'm not going to preach. He said, Chris, I want you to preach. Just preach once. So I preached, and then he started making me preach three or four times a year, and I remember there was one lady in our church who was an older lady, a very wise, mature lady came up to me uh, one Sunday, a woman that I had a lot of respect for, and she just looked at me and she said, Chris, I want you to know that not using a talent God has given you is disobedience, and she turned and walked away. I said, thanks, Diane. <laughs> now I'm really depressed. So for, for me, it was fear. Maybe for some of you, it's also fear of failure, fear, fear that you're not gonna be good enough, fear that you don't have what it takes, fear that it's going to cost too much personally, fear that it's going to cost too much for your family. Maybe some of you are in that place where you're just, man, you've dug a hole and you buried your dadgum talent because you're scared of what God is calling you to do. For others of you, I would bet, if I were guessing, uh, that for some of you it's apathy. It's not that you're really afraid, it's just that and you're too busy watching Netflix and planning your next trip to Disney World to really care about the talents that God has given you and thinking about leveraging them. I think a huge swath of the American church is just apathetic, man. You just don't give a rip. I think maybe the, the biggest category of people that would fall into this last servant are people that are struggling with what I would call misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. For some of you, man, you've, just gone, you've gone all in on little Johnny's little league baseball career or little Susie's little league soccer career and camping every other weekend and traveling every other, whatever. And listen, I want you to hear me say that I'm not against any of those things. My kids play sports; they're involved in all kinds of stuff. I, I, I'm for vacations. I'm for hiking. I'm for I'm for camping. I want you to do all those things, but I'm just telling you, some of you have allowed your schedules to get so chock full of stuff that there's no room left to do what the Master has called and equipped you to do. And I just want to say, listen, if you are too busy to do what God has called you to do, friend, you are too busy. And for some of you, maybe the step today is you go home and sit down with your spouse or your kids, or if you're single by yourself, and just begin to clear some margin on your schedule. And just begin to say no to some good things so you can begin to say yes to the most important things. I want to leave you with with one question I think is appropriate, it's right out of the text. Here's a question for you Are you being faithful or fearful today? Are you being faithful with what God has given you? Are you living fearfully? Are you leveraging the talents that the master has entrusted to you so that his kingdom would be expanded across the street and around the world? Or have you gone in your backyard, dug a hole, and buried the talents that God has given you to maximize? So in the areas of your time and your treasure and your talent, are you maximizing those things? Are you the first and second faithful servant? Or are you that third servant who's unfaithful, who's disobedient, who's fearful? In just a few minutes, we're going we're to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. We're going to take the, the bread and the cup, and we're going to celebrate communion together. But before we do that, I want to just carve out a few minutes for an appropriate response time, right? And here's my challenge to you, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, here's my challenge. Regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, my challenge is this. Take just one step of obedience today. Take one, one step of obedience. Take one step closer into God's mission of reconciling people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Right here, maybe in Asheville for you, maybe it's uh, with a brand new church plant partnership that we just launched last week. A planter was here last week from Washington, D.C. Maybe it's going across the ocean to work with some of our partners over there. But I just want to lay before you four kind of response categories. And for some of you, maybe you need to take a step in one area. For some of you, maybe you need to take a step in a couple areas. For others of you yet, maybe you're like, man, I don't even, I haven't even placed my faith and trust in Jesus yet. You're just like, man, I haven't even surrendered my life to Jesus. So if that's you, that's your first step. It's so it kind of wave the white flag of surrender in your life and say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be forgiven by you. I want to I want to join you in this incredible mission of seeing people from every tribe, tongue, and nation come to follow you. And if that's you, I would just encourage you. I'm going to be up here. I'd love to chat with you after the service. If you're online, reach out to your chat host. We'd love to talk to you about what it would mean for you to start a relationship with your creator through Jesus Christ. But if you're already in, you've already placed your faith in jesus let me just give you four categories and you'd be praying about how the lord would have you respond in light of what we've read in his word the first response category would be prayer listen how many of you believe that there is power in prayer how many of you believe that there's absolutely power in prayer listen guys i with all of my heart i believe that god hears the prayers of his sons and daughters and he is moved to action by our prayers I absolutely believe that. And so what I want to do is I just want to give you three tools to help you engage in God's mission through the avenue or the pathway of prayer. The first one is an app you can download on your phone. It's called the Unreached of the Day by the Joshua Project. I have this app downloaded on my phone. It's an easy access thing. It just helps you kind of pray through the unreached people groups uh, around the world. The second thing is we have uh, two prayer books right up here. So we got one that's more centered for adults. This is more like kids and family. Personally, I like this one. I, I grew up in Alabama, so I can, I can relate with pictures and, and grass and coloring. And so whichever one you want, I want you to know we have, we have some sitting on the front row. All right, now, now the 915 took most of them. They're really stingy, but we still have a few sitting on the front row. There's also a sign-up sheet, so if we run out... If you write your name and email address, we will pay for these, we'll buy them for you if you will use these. And you can have these as a resource to, to pray through the 3.2 billion people who have never even heard the name of Jesus yet. So let me encourage you, take a step of prayer. Whether you download that app, whether you come up here, get one of these books for free. The third way that you can engage in prayer with us is go to newlifesin.com, click pray, and that'll be a little like a little box that will pop down. You can give us your email address, your information, and we will send you prayer updates of all of our church plants, of all of our missionaries that we support, all of our partnerships. So you'll consistently be getting a drip of the different partnerships and how you can pray. So that's the first way. Would you commit to pray? As we head into a brand new year, we think about the holidays and a new year, would you commit to pray? That's three easy ways. The second way that you can respond is by, by giving. Now again, if you're new here to New Life, this is not for you. This is for our team members, our regular attenders. If you consider this your church home, you've probably seen these envelopes laying around. If not, there's a bunch of them by the coffee bar, by the buckets. Listen, this, this goes to fun. We take one offering up a year right we we our commitment to you is we are not going to nickel and dime you every mission trip every opportunity one time a year we take up one offering that funds all of our mission efforts and all of our partnerships in 2023 so let me just encourage you would you make a sacrificial offering not not your leftovers what like literally ask a question what can i give up for the sake of the 3.2 billion what can I go without? Can I go without cable? Can I go without Netflix for a few months? Can I go without getting a pumpkin spice latte every other Friday? Can I, whatever it is for you, what can I give up? Not, not my leftovers. What am I sacrificing so that 3.2 billion people can know the greatest news in the world? If you're like, Chris, I don't have any money, that's fine. Right on the back of this, there's also a place you can make a pledge. Say, well, I don't have any money right now, but next year I'll give $100 a month to this cause. Next year I'll give $250 a month. Whatever it is, would you pray And would you consider what God would have you invest so that others outside these four walls might know the Savior that we know and we love, right? You can do that online as well, newlifesend.com. Click uh, give, or you can use an envelope as well. I want to call up one of our team members, Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany, where you at? Come on up, girl. Uh, I want her to share a little bit because this really begins to connect. Her story kind of connects the dots between what we're talking about here, right? As we, as a congregation, as we pray for the nation's As we give sacrificially so people like Tiffany can go to the nations and as people like Tiffany are called to actually answer the call and say, yes, I'll go. It's awesome to pray. It's awesome to give. I'll do that. But some of us are being called to actually to go, to physically participate in what God is doing around this country and around the world. And so Tiffany recently said yes to going. And she went on a mission trip, I think, last month to one of our partners in North Africa. We're seeing incredible things God is doing among Muslim people, specifically with a group of refugees. I just want you guys to hear from her and kind of begin to understand how all of this is woven together, the praying, the giving, and the going. So Tiffany, you share a little bit.
1: Hi. So um, the 915 service didn't get to hear a lot because, well, you guys were coming next. So you get to hear a little bit more. So, yeah, I went to North Africa and it's really dark there. Um, there's a lot of Muslims, and um, there's a lot of people just worshiping a false god. And it's really sad to see, but then also with, um, with that comes, comes light, because Jesus is light. And, and so with your praying and with your giving and with going, we get to take the light of Jesus to other countries, which is so cool. And so while we were there, we got to experience a Wreck Academy place where uh, Muslims and Coptic Christians and Christians and just all these people get together and build relationships with one another. It's so cool. they're such a relational people, and that's um, how we build, and that's how, how they're building there to grow community and preach the gospel. And it's just so cool to see, and it was so cool to experience. and so that was, that was happening. And after, you know, uh, we did our thing. With the games and stuff, the the parents, the Muslim people, were so excited, and they were honored that we were there. They were so just overwhelmed with joy to build and be partners with us continuously. Like, it was just really cool to see. And then the next place that we did was the Sudanese refugees, where it started with one tribe, and then it turned into four tribes, and then it was one person, and the gospel reached the second person, and then they told their friends, and we were there when 12 people became believers, 12 Sudanese refugees became believers, and they asked us to be a part of their baptism, which was so cool. And before we got to to be a part of that, we went into the water with them and prayed with them. Before we did that, we got to worship with them, um, which was really cool. It was the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, but we spoke different languages. And it was just really awesome to know that song and to sing it, and worship with them in different languages and it really puts in perspective like um every tribe tongue and nation coming together to worship one god and so yeah you guys just giving and praying is just the gospel's reaching and i'm really excited to see where it goes so yeah
0: amen thanks tiffany let's give her a round of applause Yeah. and i think i think that was her first mission trip was that your first time on an airplane that was her first time on an airplane she goes to north africa that's it. No excuse, guys. No, no excuse for you. If she can do that's her first trip, she goes into a level five security country. And the Sudanese refugees that she's talking about, they've recently planted 23 house churches among new believers. And it's spreading and it's growing and it's absolutely mind-blowing what god is doing in some of the darkest areas of the world that we would think god is incapable of moving forward his mission and moving forward the gospel of jesus christ it's in some of those very areas that the gospel is taking hold taking root beginning to spread and god listen guys here's the cool thing he's invited us to participate in this Like, he he doesn't need us to accomplish this. He's going to accomplish this through his word, through his spirit, no matter what. But he invites us in because he loves us and he cares about us as his sons and daughters. And he wants us to live our purpose. And we were created to be a part of this. So guys, let's, let's pray that the nations would come to know Jesus. Let's give so that people like Tiffany could go to the nations. Uh, your generosity is fueling not only Tiffany going. We heard from a brand new church planter, Pastor Daniel, last week, a brand new church plan in Washington, D.C. Your giving is fueling church plants like Redeemer Fellowship in D.C. you have a chance to visit if you want to go on a mission trip uh, to D.C. next year. So those are two ways that I would just kind of lay before you and say, would, would you pray about engaging in prayer? Would you pray about giving sacrificially? Again, not, not from your leftovers, but like what are, you gonna sacri- what are you gonna go without so that the 3.2 billion might hear? And here's the third way I would just encourage you to consider, and that, that's in, in the going. It's like Tiffany. Never been on an airplane before? Felt like God was calling her, and she said, yeah, I don't even know what I'm getting myself into, but my answer, God, is Yes. And God has revolutionized her, her life. And I was just talking to her in the lobby and she's like, man, I'm considering going like long term now. So let me, let, me, let, me, let me just encourage you, there's a list of tons of trips that Pastor Rodney's put together for us as a church in 2023. Everything from Clarkston, Georgia, where there's a huge population of refugees who are being resettled by the U.S. government down there. Brand new church plant partnership in Washington, D.C. I'm taking a trip to Thailand, one of my favorite countries in the entire world. Greece, South America, North Africa there's going to be opportunities and what we want to see church families, we just want to develop ascending culture here where it's just like a constant flow, a constant rhythm of what we do is we're sending teams out to other cities and other nations, and then they're coming back and giving reports of what God is doing. Like, we want this to be our identity as a faith family. And so would you pray and just say, God, I don't know how this is gonna work. I don't know how the finances are gonna work. I don't know how I'm gonna get off vacation next year. I just want you to know, if you want me to go on a trip, my answer is yes. Yes. Like, would you make that commitment now? Like, God, the answer is yes. I'm just gonna give it you my answer and then you put it on the map, wherever it is. Washington, D.C., Thailand, Greece, North Africa, the Middle East, wherever it is. Just go ahead and make that, and I believe for some of you, that's the calling on your life right now. Don't be the servant that buries your talent in the ground. And don't wait until next year to say yes. Say yes right now. Let God sort out all the details later on. There's going to be so many opportunities for you to do that. Now, here's here's the fourth one I want to just kind of lay before you. For some of you, you're new to new life. You've never been in a church that's been kind of outward focused, been missional in terms of their DNA. And you're like, man, I, I just—I've never heard this before. I've never heard about God's heartbeat for the nations, for every tribe, tongue, and nation, and how we're supposed to be involved in His mission. Like, this is new to me. I want to be open to it, but I feel like I need to learn more about it. I would encourage you go on our website, sign up for our Explore Missions class. So that's going to start in January. It's just going to run six weeks. It's going to be on Sunday morning. So you're already here. It's not an extra like day of your week, night of your week. And just commit to those six weeks of learning about God's global mission. And maybe how he's calling you into his global mission. Another opportunity later this month is gonna be uh, attending ABCCM Transformation Village Tour and learning about all the ways that you can be, that's just one of our city partnerships. The ways that, that maybe you can help prepare meals for those women and their children. Maybe working at the front desk, doing reception. There's opportunities for a child enrichment, tutoring, education, education. Regardless of how God has equipped you, the talents that he's given you, listen to me. There is a place for you in God's kingdom. There's absolutely a place for you in God's kingdom. Let me just encourage you. Be the first servant, be the second servant. Don't be the third servant. Listen, friend, God, I believe this Walmart, God God has uniquely called and equipped you with talents in the areas of your time, your treasure, and your talents for his kingdom. So church family, let's, Let's pray together as we launch into a new year. Let's give sacrificially together. And for a lot of us, man, let's, let's go together. Let's make our lives count. I wanna finish with just a couple of quotes. Uh, first one is from C.T. Studd, and if you have the last name Studd, you gotta to listen to him. This is what he says. Only one life to live it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. John Piper, famous pastor, theologian, says this. Risk is right. It is better to lose your life than to waste it. Church family, let's risk it all for those around the world who have never even heard. And let's risk it all for the glory of our King because he's worthy. Now we're gonna move into a time of celebration. We're gonna take communion together. If you didn't get the elements when you came in, you wanna participate, you're a follower of Jesus, now's the time to slip back to the back, grab those little cups of juice and crackers. If you're at home on the live stream, Run to your kitchen, grab something, grab some bread, grab some juice. We're going to celebrate this time together, and I'm going to pray for us as we prepare our hearts to take the elements together. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and um, gosh, we're just so grateful that you invite us into what you're doing, not just here in our little corner of the world in Western North Carolina, God, but you're inviting us into what you're doing in faraway places like Myrtle Beach and Washington, D.C., and north africa and asia and south america and again god we know your word tells us that the rocks would cry out if we don't you don't need us you choose to involve us because you care about us you love us and you know that we really only find our purpose and fulfillment when we live out the mission that you've given us so god would you help us whether you've given us 10 talents five talents two talents one talent Would you help us to be faithful with what you've given us to leverage for your glory and your kingdom? God, help us not be that last servant. Help us not bury what you've given us in our backyard because we're too scared or we're too apathetic or we've misplaced our priorities, God. Help us realize you are coming back and you're probably coming back soon and we want to be the servants that are excited to meet you and say, look look what we were able to do with what you've given us, Jesus. And we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. God, help us be faithful with whatever it is that you've given us, God. Would you help us become a people of prayer? to not be so apathetic that we don't even think about the billions of people who are living and dying their entire lives, generation after generation, without even hearing one single time that there's a Savior who loves them, who bled and died and rose for them. God, help us just beat on the throne room of heaven and say, God, would you save them? God, would you send somebody to tell them? God, would you give me the courage to be the one that goes and tells them or at least prays for them or sacrifices my finances so somebody else can go and tell them. God, would you help us? Would you give us a burning passion to pray? not only for the 3.2 billion who have never heard, but our our friends and our, our moms and dads and our kids and our uncles and our aunts and our coworkers and our college classmates who maybe have heard of you, but they have a misunderstanding of who you are and they don't know that you're a God who loves them and who's chasing after them because you love them so much. God, help us not become hardened to that. Help our hearts bleed for that. Help our eyes weep for that. Help us constantly come to your throne, begging for those to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can taste and see that you are good in the same way that we have tasted and seen that you are good. God, would you help us sacrifice our treasure? God, we've all been blessed so much as Americans. The most wealthy nation in the history of the world. God, help us not be apathetic. Help us not be stingy with our resources. God, would you help us? Would you give us a heart of generosity? We are, my confession is, God, I'm naturally selfish. I'm inwardly focused. God, would you take that away from me? Would you teach me new ways to be generous? Would you teach me new ways that I can sacrifice so that other people would come and know about you? God, would you help us be marked by generosity as a church? Help us sacrifice for something so much greater than ourselves. And then God, would you, would you raise people up like Tiffany? Would you call more people out? Would you plant that seed in their heart of like, man, I gotta I got go. Man, I can't sit still. There are 3.2 billion who haven't heard. Like, I can't just stay here and watch Netflix for 50 years till I die. Like, I, I gotta move. I gotta do something. God and for those people that you're putting that vision into their hearts and their minds right now in this moment by the power of your Spirit, would you just help them respond in obedience and say yes? And I don't know the details. I don't have to know the details. I don't even have to know where I'm going to go. I don't have to know the dates. I don't have to. I don't have to figure out the details of getting time off work. I'm just telling you, God, I'm going. I'm saying yes. I'm giving you my yes. You put it on the map in 2023. I'm just saying I'm willing to go. God, would you help people, hundreds of people right now that are listening to the sound of my voice, just say yes to going. For others, God, who this is a brand new concept, maybe they grew up in really religious churches, but they've never really heard about a God who cares for the nations, and God, maybe their first step is just beginning to explore your heart for the nations signing up for the missions class in January or going on the tour at ABCCM to learn more ways they can be involved here locally right here in our city. God, whatever it is for everybody in this room, help us each just take at least one step in to your mission of reconciling people who are totally lost in the kingdom of darkness and taking them just like you took us and placing them into your glorious kingdom of light through your son, Jesus Christ. God, would you, would you help us do that? Help us take a step. Not for our good, but ultimately, God, for your glory. We ask and pray. Strong name of Jesus. Amen.